When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the official Tennis.com podcast featuring professional coach and community leader, Kamal Murray. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm your host, Kamal Murray. And we've had a very special week in tennis. We've seen a WTA 500 go to San Diego for the first time. We saw Igus Fiontek hit 64 match wins this year, catching up to Serena's record. We saw the return of several players, such as the person we had a chance to speak to today, Donna Vekic. This year, Donna was up and down with injuries, found herself outside of the top 100, but she's still smiling. She's still one of the most well-liked people on tour. She's still grinding it. We always kind of consider Donna a veteran on a tour, but she's only 26. But since she's turned pro at such a young age, she is a seasoned veteran. And we spoke to her about how she stays motivated how she's able to honestly, year after year, when she is forced to take time off, she's able to come back like instant oatmeal. We had a chance to sit down with her ahead of this week where she had beaten Maria Sakari, Pliskova, and Sabalenka and made it all the way to the final of the San Diego Open and took a set off the Igas Fiante. She opened up about what motivates her, her new candle business, and life after tennis. Take a listen to one of my favorite people, one of the most well-liked players on tour, Donna Vekic. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm your host, Kamal Murray, and we are here with one of my favorite people on the tennis tour, Donna Vekic. Donna, welcome to the show. Thank you. What an introduction. Ah, I'm so honored. See, I was going to, like, soften you up before I curse you out (laughs) because... I have not gotten my home fragrance yet. Where is my package? You can buy it just a few tenths away. <laughs> See, I, I, I used to call her a friend until she told me I gotta, I'm got. i sitting here with the creator of something, and she told me to go buy it at the store. Hey, you have to su- uh, support small businesses. Oh, spoken like a true entrepreneur. <laughs> Don't you hate that one? Like friends, like want you to give them something free, and you're like, bro, I'm gonna start. I'm a small business. You should want to pay me, so that I can like keep going. So tell me how you got into that business. Um, candles have always been a great passion of mine, and so has scent and fragrances. And I wanted to kind of go in the direction of uh, interior design as well. That's why I, I mean. I don't know about you, but I like the package a lot. <laughs> and I haven't seen it. <laughs> I was hoping it'd show up and like wrapped in a FedEx box one day. Maybe, <laughs> maybe one day. Um, so yeah, it's uh, we came out with it last year, and uh, you know it was um, it was my idea, but obviously there's a whole team uh, working behind it. I wouldn't definitely wouldn't be able to do it all of that on my own. So. It's uh, it's great, and it's definitely something I want to focus on after my career. Now, are these like fragrances from Croatia, or are they American? Because you know, I like when we travel. Certain countries have like a different like sort of scent, like the hotel perfume. Everything kind of smells 
different. So where did the fragrances come from? The fragrances are from France, from Gras. Oh, fancy. But the beeswax is from Croatia. They're 100% Croatian bees. And uh, actually, beeswax is really healthy. It purifies the air. It uh, It's actually good for you, you know, not like many people don't know. Um, uh, paraffin wax is very unhealthy and especially for for pets but then as well for humans and you know actually uh, just received uh, a candle the other day I don't want to say from who but if you look on the background it says don't keep near pets or babies and yeah I would not want to have that around me so my candles are definitely good for you so it's always interesting because I look at look at your career and, and like I always see the players now if they have like a little bit of an injury, then they like find a way to like stay motivated and keep busy and they come out with like something cool. So was this something that came up like when I look at like this year you had like injuries, right? That kind of keep you at home, and like you're one of those people that's like very thoughtful entrepreneurs. Like oh, this is a good time to like be productive and keep my mind stimulated. Actually, no. Um, it came. This idea came. Uh, 2020 uh, just kind of in the off season and we started working with one team during Australian Open and it was in Australia that I got injured but then I did have a lot more time to really go through all the details and those things but you know actually when I was injured this year I um, I had a lot of time but I was I was really down and I couldn't really do anything you know I I was I enrolled in the Harvard crossover into business so that was a little bit of a distraction but um, it was still very hard to to do anything I mean I was just doing a lot of rehab and then I would come back home and I'd be completely drained so it was a tough couple of months but um, yeah I'm happy I've gone through that (laughs) so I was talking to another player I have a young player back in Chicago I was coaching I was like you know when professional players get injured guess what they try to do get uninjured because you can't travel, you end up not hitting balls for a long period of time, and like getting work working out just gets boring after all you can do is work out and not hit balls. So, how did you stay motivated, right? Because it's like you're looking at the people who make the you know advance in the terms like okay, I would like kick her ass, you know what I mean? And now she's in the quarters of whatever a slam or whatever that. So, how did you stay motivated? Was it your parents that kept you motivated, or was it um, you know just the game? Because you ended up outside of a hundred which you are not used to seeing yourself outside of 100. Neither am I. Like, people look in quality, like, damn, I got to play Donna Vekic in qualies. Oh, <laughs> Lord. Right? Um, actually, it was really my team. Um, they were with me day, day in and day out. And, you know, I can imagine it was a tough period for, for them because I wasn't the most fun person to be around. But, you know, I'm so grateful for them. I definitely wouldn't be back here healthy playing if it if it wasn't for them and you know it's uh, it is very depressing staying at home and watching all these players but you know what was even a little bit more depressing for me was when I started playing again and um, at tournaments you know when I'm just my first couple of matches back but I realize how far I am from my level and it's those little questions in my head. Am I ever going to get back to my level again? And is that is that level still going to be good enough? That's what's kind of probably the worst out of uh, all things when you're injured. But um, I think now the last couple of matches, the last couple of weeks, uh, I'm, I'm slowly getting back there. 
So, yeah, a couple good wins. One against Maria Sakari. It's a good win. And I remember I talked to you before, and you were like, I keep playing Pliskova. Like, four <laughs> times this year, I played Plisko. Right? It was and last I was like, year. Yeah, it was last year. Like, like, please, let me just not play Plisko. <laughs> this year, after you beat Maria, you got plans to play Plisko. And you took her out. So how, I mean, like, your whole team has to feel good about that because that is sort of a testament to the work. Because, I, you know, obviously I've coached players, and during, like, long stretches where you're injured you believe you're doing the right thing but you never know until you say all right let's go back on the court and you say well did it work or did we like like not make any progress and I'm sure everyone has to feel like you made progress so how did it feel to play Plisco this year first time (laughs) this year right and avenge all of what happened in 2021 yeah especially because you know last year I played her in my first tournament back uh after my surgery at French, it was a close match. Then she absolutely killed me at Wimbledon, but she was playing amazing. And then I lost to her 7-6 in the third in in Montreal. And I was like, okay, I just never want to see her again. <laughs> <laughs> on court, on court. Um, so when, but actually, you know, when I realized I'm playing her here, I had a good feeling for once and you know like you know what I'm just gonna believe that I can beat her this time and I'm just gonna go for my shots and it's actually what I've been doing more since the last two tournaments in Tallinn and here just you know being more like well whatever I'm I'm gonna go for it if it goes in it goes in if not we we move on but and it's been going in (laughs) and yeah that worked out really well and uh I'm really happy with that when it feels really good and I'm sure for the whole team as well. Oh yeah. I mean, it's like, <laughs> you know, training and working out could be like, yeah, monotonous, right? And you, you try to change scenery sometimes. Okay. Let's, we work out in Croatia. Let's change the scenery. Cause it's getting a little boring. Let's go to like Monte Carlo. Right. So did you do any of that where you train to look few weeks here, a few weeks there just to kind of keep it going? Um, actually f- I spent a lot of my weeks in Monaco, um, as I have my uh, physio there, my fitness coach was there, and you know we um, we were basically working out every day. And you know, I, after a couple of weeks, I just wanted to shoot myself. And <laughs> you know, I, I would just. Uh, I remember one time I had a, I literally had a day and a half off, and I was like, you know what, guys, I'm out of here. I drove five hours to one mountain in Switzerland to see a friend, and I that was Saturday afternoon. We had dinner did some hiking the day after and I drove back to Monaco and so I did 10 hours driving in, <laughs> in a day and a half but it was so worth it I was like I cannot stay here another minute <laughs> so you you've obviously had a chance to meet a lot of people you like travel live in really cool places and you're like a celebrity in Europe who is the one person that you like are wanting to meet and kind of like fangirl over like oh my god I really oh want to meet this person Wow, you really put me on the spot now. I know, now. right? Look, she's starting to sweat, y'all. You can't see it, but dude, that curl is dropping. It was like it was bouncing when she walked in. I had turned flat. Oh God! And she's planting her hair. <laughs> my just done hair. Um, oh my God. Um, it could be a girl. <laughs> Why would it be a guy? <laughs> it had to be a guy. You had to get yourself in trouble. It could be a girl. We'll come back to that one. Okay, let's come back to that. So now, motivation-wise, because you are like a seasoned veteran, right? Evident on how you're playing now. You're able to like take some adversity, come back, and like boom, we back, y'all. What 
you are like big fashionista, right? In, in, in addition to the sense, right? Your fashion game, your heels, your bags. And I'm like, damn, Donna, like, you know, she made a little bit of money, but that bag was like, you know, a lot of money. So what motivates you? Do you have your eyes on something right now? It's like, all right, I got to get back because I haven't been playing and I want to get this. So I'm going to like play well, win a tournament so I can go and splurge on this. What's the one thing you want to buy that like you use as a little bit of motivation? Actually, I was just, uh, we were just in Tallinn and uh, we were with Isla and Belinda and we were kind of talking a little bit about clothes, bags, and I'm like, wow, for once, there's nothing that I want to, <laughs> to buy. And I have like, I have everything. I have so many things at home. I do love, for example, I love fashion, but I hate shopping. I always, you know, I go to those big department stores where you have all the brands in, in one place and I just do it all in an hour and I do it like two, three times a year, uh, New York, Paris and London. Th those are my shopping cities and here and there when I see something, but I'm not a big shopping girl, but, you know, honestly, right now I'm just looking forward to my holidays. Big plans. <laughs> so now I got to give you one. So now you're working your way back up to the top. But when you play qualities, you get to look at players that you normally wouldn't get to look at. Who is the best player you know outside of, let's say, top 70 that you like? Last year, the person you wanted to avoid was Plisco, just because you were just tired of playing her. But who now is like, okay, you know, I'm going to like have to play some seeds. Obviously, coming back, you have to play some seeds first round. But there's like a lot of good young players that are like kind of tricky and kind of good. Who do you see coming up that maybe the world didn't know about? Like mine was Quinwin Zhang. If you asked me at the beginning of this year, I was like, Quinwin Zhang can play. You know, I played her last year at the uh, last tournament in um, in Kormeyer, the tournament that I won, and everyone was saying that she's so good, but I wasn't that impressed with her back then. Um, but obviously, she's playing good tennis this year. She had some amazing results, but. Uh, you put me on the spot again. So um, I should have texted these questions. You should have. <laughs> I'm going to remember this for next time. <laughs> um, I saw a little bit of Robin Montgomery here. She's good. This week. She's playing, she's playing really well. I think just women's tennis is on such high level at the moment. Uh, I played Simona in Toronto. She absolutely trashed me. Um, and then we practiced. I wanted to practice with her in uh, New York the week before US Open and she was playing so good I played a little bit better so it wasn't um, 6-0, 6-2 still she won and I was like oh my god 100% she's winning the tournament but then she goes and loses first round to a qualifier so I was like okay I obviously know nothing about tennis but um, I feel like women's tennis is on such a high high level right now everyone can beat everyone it's you know look at the qualities here it was the first the cut for main draw was like 25 so <laughs> <laughs> um a lot a lot of uh, big names in the qualities so it's just you know if you're not 100 percent each match you can't really get away with it anymore another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. So we, we saw Serena retire, which, you know, she had a great career, and I was, happy, I was actually happy to see her sort of retire because I felt like over the past couple of years, people were getting, like, cheap wins, right? And you never want to see, like, the GOAT go out like that. Like, I don't want to see Roger come back and play one more Wimbledon and, like, lose to... <laughs> I'm not going to name that. <laughs> right, right, right. So I felt like I was seeing it happen to Serena. So give me, give me your a good Serena memory of one. I think my first memory of ever actually watching tennis is watching Serena and Venus play Wimbledon final, and that's I probably I was maybe six, seven years old. I have no idea, and that's how I really got into tennis. And yeah, that's the I was I remember being at home and it was. I was like, I just want to be there one day, playing on that that court. They kind of both inspired me to to play. And what's funny is when I think about Serena, when I think about her and Sharapova and even like Caroline Wozniacki, that era of champions, they weren't as friendly as like this new era. So I feel like Iga, Andrzej Jabor, like you all, everybody's like happy for each other. You know, Belinda, like Isla, when everybody saw Isla beat Serena, I mean, people were like, you know, happy for her, right? Mm-hmm. Where I feel like that, generation was way more guarded they were like trying to maintain like their mental edge on each other and not sharing not doing press they're not going to dinner together they're like playing little mind games would you agree that this era is like way more friendly and happy for each other you know what i mean like i saw ons when she lost you know two slam finals and I'm, she was very disappointed but i felt like she was genuinely happy for the other girl you feel like this generation is less competitive or just happy-go-lucky friendly that's a good that's a good question um because you've seen both that's true i mean there's still a couple of players that are you know just trying to do their thing (laughs) i'm gonna put it that way uh but i you're right there's definitely more friendships on the tour and you know I can only speak from my side. I'm definitely happy. It's it's like that. I feel very grateful and very lucky that I have a few girls that I c- can call my can call them my true friends. And, you know, and I feel like our friendship is gonna go way past the our years on tour. And uh, I'm very lucky that I I have that. And you know, the the tour can be lonely and the years is the year is so long and you're you're on tour almost uh you're on tour every week so you know if you don't have a few friends that you can share like tough moments good moments with then i think it's a really sad life so your two best friends on tour are i i have to say three because <laughs> it's isla belinda and maria <laughs> maria sakari yeah See, that's so friendly. See, that's what I mean. Y'all are all so friendly. <laughs> I, if I asked you to pick one, you'd be too afraid to pick one. What do you th- What do you think about it? The tour? About friendships on tour. So, I think that I would like to see... I think it's fine. Like, the friendships are fine. I think... You're right. It's like... It is lonely. It's like a traveling circus, right? We're all trying to work together to, like, compete, put out the best product so the fans keep coming and we grow the base. Um... I would, I do sometimes feel like we we concede matches to certain people. Like I felt like 
when Serena was at her like prime, people walked out like, oh my God, I'm going to get killed, right? You know what I mean? Like they just sort of concede. Yeah. And I feel like now some of the friendships, we don't see, we see, don't, we don't see fist pumping against our friends, right? And I see that makes, that makes matches less competitive than they should be. Because you have to admit, like when you are like really fighting and like not focused on, let me not fist pump too much, mm. right? You are playing at a different level than it was like, okay, let me not offend her. Right. If you're worried about competing and offending as a coach, I'm like, fuck that. Like, mm. we need to go get her. You know what I mean? So I think it's I've seen some matches between people we know are cool where it was like, eh, they could have fought each other a little bit harder. That is true. I And I can definitely confirm that because when I I, I remember I recently played Belinda and now I played Maria. Um, I was definitely, it was definitely in the back of my mind, oh, maybe, oh, maybe don't fist bump now. Right. And then a few times it would come naturally. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> maybe that was a bit too loud or right. a bit too much. <laughs> but, um, you know, like, for example, it doesn't bother me if she, if she fist bumps. It's, I know it's, it has nothing to do with me. We're just playing a match. And I, I, after the match, we're, we're back to normal. So, um, yeah, should definitely think about that a little bit less. <laughs> Go get it, girl. Uh, well, thank you for coming on the show. This has been the Tennis.com podcast with Donna Vekich. Thanks for having me. Our next guest is Alexa Garachi. Alexa is the pride of Alabama. She's one of the players we think about when we start having the discussion about players who have successfully had a professional tennis career after going to college. She is French Open finalist made the year-end championships in 2021. She's the example of somebody that when you stick with it, you get the results. She's been on tour a long time and later in her career has some great years with some great partners. We had a chance to speak candidly with Alexa about the difference between singles and doubles players, how they travel, how the doubles players share rooms, how they manage their expenses because they got to split the prize money. And we talk about her next chapter, now being a newlywed and how to balance being a wife and a professional female athlete. Take a listen. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm your host, Kamal Murray, and we are here with one of the poster children for how to make a successful transition from college tennis legend to making and earning a living on tour, reaching a Grand Slam final in doubles, Alexa Garachi. Thank you for coming Oh, on. thank you for having me. It's good to see you again since World Team Tennis. Ah, <laughs> I remember they're standing back there cursing your name, like, girl, over here. Put it away, put it away. But I've, I've, I've recovered. I've recovered from that season. So tell me, because everything about you spells Southern Belle. Grew up in the South, went to Alabama, friendly, smile. Where does the whole ch Chilean connection come from? Yeah, so my dad is from Chile. So that's my whole dad's side of the family is from there. Um, and my dad actually played tennis at Alabama, too. So that's kind of why my connection to Alabama on top. He was the first foreign athlete there, actually, at Alabama, mm. my dad. Um, and so I switched to play for Chile after college. Um, they approached me so I could play Fed Cup because, you know, it's really difficult for the U.S., obviously. So I thought, OK, well, I would have the opportunity to play Fed Cup, which I might not have if I play for the U.S. And they would kind of back me financially. So I thought it would be a great opportunity. So like the whole Naomi Osaka thing, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. But people don't understand it's hard, you know, when you're trying to make it. So you're one of the people I think when I think about successful college tennis players, Jen Brady. Mm -hmm. Dez Krychek mm -hmm. and you. 
And I know some other athletes at Alabama, mm-hmm. and they just say it was a party every day. Oh, yeah. So give me the down and dirt. Yeah. Right? No, know. it was. It was a party. <laughs> I wasn't ready for sure to go pro, you know, at the age of 17, 18. I was not there mentally, physically. Um, I kind of had to really learn, you know, the ins and outs of how to be a professional. And I think college really teaches you that you have to learn how to go to class. You have to do all these other things, Um, you know, do the right rehab stuff that you might have to do. Go to the gym, go to your workout, go to your practices and figure out how to juggle it all amidst, you know, being an 18 year old by yourself. So it really teaches you responsibility, independence. And yeah, it was a great learning curve for me. I, I grew up pretty quick. Um, you know, I definitely partied it out my freshman year. <laughs> All right, now we're married. Tone it down now, you know. This is- <laughs> um, which was good. I think I got it, a lot of it out of my system, actually. And then I kind of was like, okay, like now I can really Focus. be a college athlete and learn and, and really like make the most out of this opportunity. So take me back to 2020, right? Because you know, and I think of doubles players, right? I see, having run a tournament, I know your doubles players, you get like, each player gets like three or four guaranteed nights, and then your partner gets three or four guaranteed nights, mm-hmm. so you're trying to like create like an eight-day home yeah. before the next tournament, whether you win or lose, uh, splitting the tab, sharing coaches, all of that. And then boom, in 2020, mm-hmm. you get to the final. So tell me about how rewarding it was to get there having had to grind very different than singles players right no it was really rewarding i think it we had a lot of close matches you know going like just making the wta 250s and i would realize wow like there's not that big of a difference right like it's just being able to compete at this level week in and week out right and i figured it's it's so much about just knowing that you belong, confidence, knowing your game is at that level, and then just just playing freely, knowing that like, hey, each week is a new opportunity. Um, it's funny going in that mindset because now I kind of have a different mindset where you know before I was chasing, right, and now I know I'm being chased a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, yeah, it was, it was an amazing. I mean, especially I think 2020 with COVID and everything, realizing how, you know quickly it can be gone you know we didn't play for like six months mm-hmm. and then taking the opportunity when we were able to play again um yeah making the most out of it and des and i you know we we kind of started to figure it out we had a tough loss at us open and we were like super bummed and the COVID open yeah and the girls we lost to won it and so we were like wow like in our heads we were thinking it was kind of a bad loss because mm-hmm. in our we kind of expected more um and so then it kind of gave us that sense of confidence like wow like we're actually there like if they can do it we can do it we were right in that match and yeah you just take each week and so much of it i feel like things have to come together right the right draws the right um you know the weather there's so many things that go into winning a tournament that they have to happen at the right time and i think for us it french open was it was great i mean everything kind of came together at the right time so how much did you sleep the night before? Because you look at people's, so a lot of like people's careers, mm-hmm. right? They say, oh, she's been on tour 12 years, she only won five titles. Mm-hmm. But the moment you get to the finals of a slam, nothing else matters, yeah. right? So you've been out there, you're out there traveling, then you get, how much did you sleep the night before? Because I've been <laughs> two nights before slam finals, yeah. not sleeping at yeah. all, playing, not sleeping, you check me, are you sleep yet? It's 3 a.m., you need to go to sleep. Take some melatonin, go to sleep, yeah. whatever you got to do. It's take like, a drink. Yeah, right? it's so. on and off. I feel like your mind, it's hard to turn it off, right? Like, 
I I slept like decent, but yeah, I kind of woke up just like I was just so excited. I wanted to play. Like I was excited for the opportunity. It's kind of fun going in as underdogs to playing Babos and Mladenovic who have won many titles together. So we were kind of like, hey, we have nothing to lose here. Like they have all the pressure. It was it was actually nice going in on our side of things. And going back, I actually wish, you know, we would have even played a little more aggressive like we were right in there and they you could tell they were tight you know that was the only if I had to think about like the only regret is like I actually wish I was more aggressive in that match mm -hmm. so one of the things that fascinates me about well first of all I think the women's tour is more fascinating than the men's tour because it's so unpredictable mm -hmm. but then another thing was when you look at doubles players you see players oh they play well together and then six months later they're not playing together or you see people like eh, that's an odd matchup she can't volley she returns you know mm -hmm. she plays the forehand side mm -hmm. but in the backhand side so tell me about the logic because there is like a lot of musical chairs so how do you select a player and then how do you figure out it's time to move on yeah i think it's I think for me, what's important is like I can get along with them outside of the court because we spend so much time together traveling, going to places, even if you don't really aren't best friends with them. I mean, you're just going to be spending a lot of time with them. So I think as long as for me, if I get along with them and obviously too, like our game styles like coincide where we kind of help each other out where maybe I like to play with people normally that are a little bit better at the net because I feel like I can set them up with my ground strokes, with my serve. Um, and yeah, so I feel like it is a lot of musical chairs. I think some of the girls get a little too antsy if they're not seeing results right away, mm. where I think actually you need like a solid like six months together to really see if you guys can make it. Because I mean, if you look at the girls in the race right now, let's like say for instance, Ellen Perez and Nikki Melikar, they started playing together. I want to say around the, in the clay, starting the clay, and they did not have results at all until like Wimbledon. And now all of a sudden they got hot and they're, they, I, I know for a fact that they weren't going to stick together and then they got hot and then now <laughs> they're sticking together, you know? So right. it's like, I feel like you have to believe in each other and know like if we have a couple bad tournaments, like it's not like, oh, I'm splitting. Like you have to play with someone that you know is going to have your back through the ups and the downs. If we could all play good every match, we would, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's the toughest part about the doubles is is finding someone that you know will stick together with you through the good and the bad. So you recently got married. <laughs> and one of the things I always find funny is you can tell the doubles girls, you know, like, you don't have to, like, work out as much as a single player because you're, like, you know, only playing half the court. <laughs> right. No offense, right? Um, <laughs> So, you know, you see hanging out in, in, the, in the lobby, maybe a little bit later than the singles players are eating as a group, where the singles players are eating with their coach and their team, right. whatever. And then you always see one that's like branching off with the phone. I'm like, oh, she got married, she has to check in. So tell me <laughs> the difference now about playing when you were single, traveling overseas, different time zone, and then now playing as a wife. Honestly, um I was always like with my husband, we were together basically through my whole time playing on tour, mm. actually. So it hasn't been a huge transition for me, but definitely the biggest thing is like finding time to be with each other and like you knowing like I can't be this many weeks off, you know, off playing six weeks, eight weeks, like someone's going to have to come somewhere to figure it out because, you know, it, a marriage just takes both sides and you have to figure <laughs> out like when to see each other, you know, and um make each other a priority so that's you know that's tough and and yeah the time zone thing is tough because a lot of times especially australia i'm waking up he's going to sleep and you just gotta 
got to talk when you can. (laughs) (laughs) So if I was your coach, right, and I say, no husbands, can't come, what would you say to me? Well, I would say no chance. (laughs) He's got to come. Like, I mean, he's not going to be there a lot, but, you know, when he can make his schedule work. and his own room. (laughs) Like, no chance. I think that's more for singles players. Singles (laughs) players, it probably affects them a little bit more than the doubles players. (laughs) Well, I don't think I'd ever coach a doubles team, especially two, because if one of y'all married, I'd definitely be putting a kibosh. (laughs) She'll see you in two weeks after this tournament. Right now, we got a job to do. That's right. (laughs) Well, thank you for coming on the yeah, show. It's I always good. It. Always good to root for you. And congratulations Thanks. on a great 2021 year in finals. Oh, last year, last yes. Year. Thank you. <laughs> it's a career milestone. This has been a tennis.com podcast with Alexa Garachi. Thank you. Bye guys. <laughs> <laughs>